Podcast. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westcott demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up? Welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother, Wesley. Today, we are talking a movie from 2022 available on Hulu, the prequel to a much-beloved series, Prey. Predator 5. This is not a prequel? Prative Americans. Parade of Americans? Really? Yep. (laughs) Mulan. Okay, this takes place in the 18th century. How is this not a prequel? It is. I'm just saying it's also Predator 5 for all its prayness. Brave. Brave? Brave. Well, oh, Brave is pretty good. (laughs) I I did pause to think that she kind of went all Moana on this and was like, what's beyond the reef? And like all decided (laughs) to go on her hunting adventure on her own. This this is where we differ and why we do a podcast because I have Mulan and Brave firmly for these like lone lone woman sallies forth kind of thing, and you always have <laughs> always throw Mulan in there which I neglect. Mulan and Moana, that's my jam. Yep. Okay, can you just bring us up to speed on the Predator thing? Predator now available at orwhatevermovies.com. What's your metric for a successful sequel or prequel? It has to expand upon the themes without retreading and also adding something substantive to. Move the story forward with anchor points for the uh, source material without making it cheesy throwback. Okay. And so on that basis, does Prey succeed? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I mean, if you want to get into it, feel free. But I have questions for you. Well, I was hoping that this was kind of like a Blair Witch Project experience where I had came in fully loaded and had seen all the movies and, you know, know most of the lore, not to like a severely nerdy degree. The key for this is if if you are not necessarily a Predator fan, does this movie succeed in being what it purports to be, which is a, a new movie? This is the first Predator that comes to Earth, as confirmed by the director, Dan Trachtenberg. For all intents and purposes, it should be absolutely new, right? And we should learn about this creature and the species in kind of a pure experience as we did, as I did with the original Predator. And that's what I was hoping for. And what did you get? I got direct quotes from the first movie. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Come on. It's like uh, it's like plagiarize. Like you got to change the wording a little bit in your essay, right? To not get busted. Put it in Comanche at least. Right. And that that's another thing. Like we wanted this to be authentic, so to speak, or be a representation of Comanche peoples and culture and history and that kind of thing. And did you hear that there was supposed to be on Hulu an entirely Comanche version? Like a subtitled version entirely in Comanche? That would make sense because it seemed like they did the thing in performance where they just gave alt lines. Like they did the TV edit lines just back to back. But for some reason in this version, they decided to include both the English and the Comanche. Yeah, I don't know why. 
And I get it. It can be unwieldy. If you're looking to make a lowest common denominator predator film that audiences will enjoy, maybe Comanche is not quite the way to go. Oh, we got to read? I don't want to read. Like, you know, with the Passion of the Christ. A questionable choice, but if you're going to commit, then commit. The Halfway was weird, and uh, that all Comanche track, apparently, I couldn't find it on Hulu. We did try. I thought it might have made it slightly, at least, more substantive, and of course we have no problem with the subtitles, but it doesn't seem to exist. So so we have this weird hybrid where she's like, no, dude, it totally killed a bear. Like with its bare hands, like it told it killed that bear. And it's like strangely contemporary delivery. Like, I don't know how you sound more Comanche when you're speaking English. I, maybe it's in the same tone or has an accent or something, but this didn't feel like it. Did it feel like it to you? It didn't feel authentic when they were speaking English. So what are you doing? I'm going to go kill that cougar or whatever. It was a lion. They're like, totally? And she's like, totally. <laughs> Not quite that bad. So a ton of dramatic irony going on here because we as the audience know a lot more about the predator uh-huh. and its rules and its goals. And But were all the rules intact? What are the predator rules? Well, I guess it depends on what you consider canon. But generally speaking, uh, Predator is actually not the correct title. The original film, as we mentioned in that discussion, was Hunter. And Hunter leads more closely to the idea that that the Predator is seeking out the most challenging, effective prey, i.e. it will not attack you unless you're holding a weapon. And the Predator is just more like it preys upon weaker things, right? Where it just kills indiscriminately, which this one kind of did. But it got a little hazy and a little fuzzy, and that's what I was most concerned about. Whether or not this learning process that the Comanches had to undergo by way of attrition would have enabled them to figure out, in the same way that Dutch and his crew did in 1986, no, it views you as a threat when you're holding the weapon. Oh, like uh, Naru's older brother says, it views me as the threat. He's the more formidable, presumably older, even though he's three years younger than Amber Midthunder adversary. That's basically it. it they're a sporting <laughs> culture or planet, and the predators come to uh, multiple planets and kill the most challenging prey. So the predator is basically on safari on Earth. Exactly. Way more succinctly and eloquently put. And the lore extends so much so that it, as part of the canon for Predator, at least, the xenomorph aliens were created by the predators to be the ultimate adversary. The xenomorphs are the predator's pets? Now, I've been working on this lore for like 20 years because this is what was established in Alien versus Predator or whatever. But of course, we get into all the Weyland-Yutani stuff and the, and the Alien franchise as a standalone has nothing whatsoever to do with Predator. But in the Predator franchise, aliens are definitely part of it. They're, it's canon. And, and I had heard that that's where they came from. The xenomorphs were created to be the most dangerous prey, which is exactly what they're looking for. It's like a retcon kind of deal. Because in Predator 2, which I don't think you've seen, right? Nope. This actually has tie-ins to Predators and Predator 2. Most notably Predator 2, which I won't spoil for you, but definitely it ties in. Please, spoil it for me. (laughs) All right, fine. So the flintlock pistol that she gives after getting it, you know, from the, from, that guy wasn't French, he spoke French, I think he was Italian or something, and he was being used as a translator for the French, but he, Raphael, 
Raphael, thank you. So he gives her the pistol, and that plays into Predator 2, where as a token of achievement, as a, as a gift of respect, that gift is bestowed to someone else. In Predator 2. Oh. But then there's a, there's all kinds of lore behind Raphael, and Raphael in Prey has nothing to do with the Raphael that was clearly established in Predator comics and has been since Predator 2, which is the 80s also. Like It's like 1990 for Predator 2. And so that lore exists, and this movie is just retconning all over the place. And I've hated that term for years now because I never understood its etymology, so today I looked up retconning. Please enlighten me is short for retroactive continuity. So you add a new thing into a movie which changes what had previously been established as the history uh, or, or continuity for that thing, whatever it is, by saying, oh, the uh, French guy gave her the pistol. And when, when he showed her, you know, in exchange to how to use the pistol, right? He gave it to her and then she ultimately presented it to her family. Uh, that's where that pistol came from in part two, but that's not where it came from prior to Prey. And all of the stuff, you know, that Anna talks about in the original Predator, how it came down every summer when it was the hottest or whatever. And But Alien vs. Predator establishes this junk as going on for thousands of years. And here in 1719 appears to be the first time a Predator comes to Earth, etc. So it's confusing, and it just kind of plopped. Well, they're like, we need to put a predator movie we're going to set it in 1719 so we're going to plop it in the middle of all the history and lore and just retcon stuff learn a new thing every day yeah i mean definite like nerd term but i'll yeah. try and work it in okay so the gun Raphael. if it bleeds we can kill it in the mud and stuff and it, those aren't retconning stuff this is just throwbacks where they're like it's a predator movie see see and dan trackenberg he originally produced and directed i think he even wrote the script and it was called the seller the cellar about a little one-off group of people in a cellar and Hollywood was like you know what we should do you know what we should do we should connect it with Cloverfield so it became 10 Cloverfield Lane and in a way this is 10 Cloverfield Lane of the Predator series it's like a little movie about a different Predator with different stuff but they keep drawing allusions to the original Predator and this it sequels and they're like no it's canon see see no it, it's it's supposed to be here I don't Did even... I lose you with the Cloverfield references? <laughs> I don't even need... Yeah, I don't know where to go with this. You saw Cloverfield, and then, then Cloverfield... 10 Cloverfield Lane was part of the Cloverfield universe, but not really. Like, it didn't continue anything. It was like a side quest. And then the Cloverfield Paradox was another spec script that was like a space adventure. And they're like, no, no, no. We're going to make it a Cloverfield movie. I do feel like Prey was... I mean, obviously, it, it is a Predator movie, but it feels more in the line of what was supposed to be a authentic Native American representation movie or whatever about having to fend off this adversary that, that they made sure fit firmly in the Predator mythos. I don't know, man. I'm wrong because I was like, yeah. And everybody's like, that was awesome. And there's people whose movie opinions I respect. They're like, I thought it was great. And it's, it's highly critically reviewed or whatever. I just came in too loaded, I think. I wanted the stripped down experience. This was like, you know how the Batman is like darker and more gritty and less polished and less cartoony? That's what I wanted Prey to be for the Predator series. And like Batman, in a way, it was 
kind of unpleasant, a little bit dreary, kind of boring. I'm sad to say I didn't connect with any of the characters. Like for the first 30 minutes, I was like, boring. And it shouldn't have been. It should have been all Dances with Wolves. And I get that that's a different uh, tribe of Native Americans. But the point is, I should have been compelled and cared about these people. And I just didn't. Right, because it took about 45 minutes to actually introduce the predator into the mix. I mean, he's there, but there's no, but they don't meet. Yeah, he shows up. And we see his little sparkling technology. I think they were like, hey, we improved uh, on that, what is it, the camouflage gimmick that he does? We should make another Predator movie. They used that, they used the camouflage and the, what is the word that describes the noise he makes? Uh, I don't know. Predator click? Ticking. Yeah, the camo and the sound effect a, a little bit. It was a little overkill. A lot. All. Hey, did you know this is a Predator movie? We're going to make it clicky <laughs> the whole time. And he's going to use that cloaking device nonstop. Right. It's very selective. I mean, does he have does he have rules about when he uses it? Because like he just likes to reveal himself for dramatic effect. Yeah. Dan Trachtenberg is like, he should cloak right now. And they're like, he just did it. He's in a cave by himself. No, no, no. Do the cloak thing. So <laughs> when he's it. standing in the mouth of the cave and then right? he reveals himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's got this new thing where it's like all twitchy and red. And somehow when it's coated in the blood of wolves and bears, it can make that invisible too. Like he's drenched in blood and still becomes invisible. It was weird. Well, he was, no, that kind of revealed his shape finally to her, to Naru, but but then it goes away. Here's some inconsistencies. Ready? I'm ready. Where? What happened to the bear skull? What happened to it? Yeah. He takes the bear's head. Uh-huh. Right? Gives it an acid bath or something to reduce yeah. it to its skull. And then he hangs it on his belt, his trophy belt. And then what happens to it? Don't know. He went, he went and stuck it in the ship. Because as we saw in Predator 2, spoiler, there are lots and lots of skulls of lots of species, interplanetary, uh, on in the ship as trophies. It was a trophy. It's why he takes the skull and the wolf skull. And that's how in Predator 2 you see a xenomorph skull. And you're like, whoa. So I'm guessing he stopped by the ship and dropped it off. Where's that ship, by the way? That ship's still there? No, it dropped him off. So Nadu's like hunting the, the lion. Okay. And then she falls off the tree. <laughs> she falls out of she falls out of the tree and then she appears in the teepee. Is it I don't know. Can I, can I say teepee? I think what so. happened? I don't know. She got hurt and she was rescued. But if you look very closely, she did stick the cat in its side and it gets hurt and maybe it runs away but ultimately her big brother kills it and and says at least you hurt it you helped me to kill it it was because of you that i was able to do it and then because of his slaying of the lion monster he becomes war chief yeah like that all right so he had no problem kind of he wanted to give her credit but he had no problem taking it too yeah he did but then he admitted later on because she's the brave one Okay. And so the fur trappers, the French group, they're the fur trappers, right? They're the ones that <laughs> killed all the bison. Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo or bison? Buffalo. She said, you killed the buffalo. Like that was a surprise. Okay. Well, I mean, the predator did skin the snake. So why would he not skin the bison? Because he would use it for meat or whatever. And he obviously would have taken its head for a trophy. Okay. They appear out of the mist, the French fur trappers. Yep. Kelly goes, yep, here come the white people. <laughs> I mean, weren't they, weren't they horseback? 
Wasn't Hor- their crew on horseback? How did they just stealthily appear all Comanche style? I have no idea because they are the war party, man. The French were the, the stinkiest, snarlingest, most animalistic. What was the other movie? Where this is like the zombie movies or any other movie like this where the humans are infinitely worse than uh, they're of worse character than the monster. Like the French might as well have been barbarians in this movie, right? We didn't care to know what they were saying. They weren't subtitled most of the time. And they're just like, ah, ah, and they're predator fodder. How are they? They're like, ah, ah. I was wondering why they didn't subtitle them. How come, you know, the for the for our benefit, the Comanche always delivered the lines in Comanche and then in English? Like, why right? didn't the fur trap? Yeah. Because, I mean, look, we tried to do a thing and we tried to have the Comanches be things from their perspective. But then we got the wonky perspective of the predator. And I think we still had scenes where the French, you know, had, were doing their thing in absence of Nauru or any of the Comanches. So they like had their own narrative, but we weren't, they, she wasn't meant to understand what that was from either the French perspective or from the predator perspective. But we kind of know those things. We know that they would come in and desecrate or disrespect the Native American way of life and violate nature and kill the buffalo for the skins and not for the meat and not use every piece or whatever. Except all that happened, the, uh, what are we calling it? Colonization? Yeah. And all that stuff happened. The the Indian massacres and the decimation of the buffalo populations like 150 years after this movie was set. So it doesn't quite track get it track but they were bad they were predators in and of themselves killed by the other predator like predator for power versus predator for sport yeah it's like the food chain (laughs) somehow predator for sports more clean or honorable and so we wanted and this movie really wanted to be a battle of wits Somebody translated some of the French stuff that wasn't translated uh, via the subtitles for our benefit. And at some point they were, I forget if it was the French or the Comanche, were yelling at the predator and calling it a cheater for using all its technology. Like you're going to come and outsmart your prey using automatic like neck cutting swirly discs and shields and laser guided arrows. Like that's not fair. It's kind of cheating. And we wanted this to be... Naru in the mud with a bow and arrow killing this thing via her wits as opposed to with weapons or superior technology. And that didn't track very well. Well, yeah, you, as soon as she gets into the quagmire swamp quicksand thing, yep. my mind definitely went to Arnie in the mud. And <laughs> no, so I no, thought no. that's where it was going, no, but it didn't. No, come on. That's stupid. She- Remember how <laughs> complaining you were? Like, really, the mud is going to mask him? That's stupid. And I'm glad that this movie went with the the infinitely superior suggestion that she can use a plant to make herself cold. It's a hypothermia plant. (laughs) What's happening to me? I'm freezing. Oh, man. Let me get this straight. (laughs) The plant dropped her body temperature to the to get more or less the ambient. So the predator couldn't see her when she ate the flower. Yes. She went hypothermic, but still perfectly capable because of the the plant she ate. Yeah, yeah, plant. Even the dude, she didn't have like the chills and convulsions that the dude had. No. She just ate some and got cold. It's... <laughs> so... 
dumb. It made me mad. And yeah, because because we were thinking, we were thinking that oh, here it comes, here's the mud. She's gonna discover it organically or whatever, right? Because she fell into it, not because she. But no. But it, I mean, it did set up the trap for the end or whatever. So was it a cheat? Let's talk a little bit about the predator's arsenal. Did he always have the face shield? Uh, well, it's he eschews the traditional mask, and we don't know because we didn't see any other predators in this movie. We don't know if that was a standard for seventeen nineteen Earth time, or if he's just like the rogue, if he's like Dirty Steve or whatever, who's like, I'm gonna be the predator that wears a bone on my face, and they're like, No, dude, the the skulls are trophies. You don't wear them on your face, and Dirty Steve's like, I don't care what you guys say. I'm not gonna do that stupid mask. I'm not gonna wear the parrot gun thing. I'm going to do the tracking arrows, Dirty Steve style. So the tracking arrows and the laser laser sights, those are all new? Or old. Is it antiquated predator tech from 300 years ago? Are they evolving in a weapon, you know, as far as weapons are concerned, along with time on Earth? It was different. It was newer, probably less effective than the uh, auto-aiming plasma shoulder-mounted gun. And, uh, you know, it didn't have a bomb, I don't think. And it was, I don't know, it was still all techie stuff. But instead of, like, the wrist blades and stuff, which it had, it also had the shield and the random little killy discs. So a lot of this stuff was new to us, but old tech. As predators go, presumably. Gotcha. And so the predators have since, since prey done away with the laser-guided arrows, and the shieldy, bladey, head cutty offy thing. It would appear. Maybe this is like a, what's it called? Like the historical reenactments where this predator, <laughs> Dirty Steve, decided he was going to kill with a shield. And like, it's like him, like, I'm going to go kill a bear, but with a musket. You know what I mean? Like a, like a, it'd be like a rich dude who's like, I only carry like 1888, like peacemakers and stuff. And that was supposed, that was the joke, right? That all the French trappers full fur trappers like unleash their ballistic fury on the predator and then they all have to pause and reload that was right? the joke right yes it was the joke as opposed to the thousands <laughs> of rounds in in uh, max minigun formerly blaine's minigun oh from predator from the original predator <laughs> right where they can just cut down the forest with firepower <laughs> where it's just sheer beefcakeness yeah Okay, so this movie doesn't have all the tr- intrigue from Predator, the the political stuff and the original mission and all that jazz. Does this have something more to it than just the simple than just presenting a new prey for the Predator? In a less is more sort of way, what they were going for, the idea was that Predator took place in a far-flung South American country, and it was just them using their wits in the jungle. And then Predator 2, spoiler, is like totally cityscape. I think it comes to L.A. Then we, we tried to go back to that with Predators, which is barely canon as far as I'm concerned. Um, and and pre- the Predator, Shane Black, which I'm loathe to even mention, was also in the city. The idea is that this is going back to the first film. Everybody says that it was as close to the first film. Dan Trachtenberg himself says it's going to be like the original and maybe even better. Take it easy there, Dan. But it was meant to be the same thing without being a retread. It was meant to expand upon it. This is a people 
who live off the land and by their wits. And thus they would be able, she would be able to defeat the predator on her home ground. Uh, whereas Arnold and crew were displaced and they were basically on predator turf for whatever that's worth, right? And that was the point to take it back to the earth and to take it back to a more simple predator-prey kind of dynamic. And not sure if it worked. And the idea not to tread exactly as on the same ground, but to evoke it. Does it add anything new? It, it kind of tries to go back to the original while still keeping it somewhat fresh. And that seems to be the general reaction to prey, that it has a lot going for it, as good as, or at least the best since the original. And I kind of got no problem with that, but I expected more. Are all the predators in all of the movies different predators? They look different, and you can't tell with the predators how much is wardrobe and accessories and how much is natural body features, but they look crazy different. Some of them have crests of little horns. The coloring is vastly different. The jaws are different in shape and size. The eyes are different. They're still predators, but they're like variations. Okay. So <clears throat> maybe that gives also some creative license to the gear that they carry, you know, what their preferences are yeah, for their arsenal. Maybe, yeah, they, they have predator countries, and each country comes with its own distinct culture and weapons, maybe. <laughs> the general idea with indigenous peoples is that they lived more in harmony with the land. And though they may not have had ultra-sophisticated technology, i.e., guns or agrarian technology they were very capable and i think that that is part of what is that the missed opportunity for prey or is that where they wanted to kind of flip the script i fully believe because the main party that the predator targets before you know, the french come they're all kids they're not warriors who could join together who could learn when one of theirs is taken you know, how did it happen? What was the failing? How can we rectify it? How can we band together against a superior adversary with superior technology, even if that word is not familiar? It kills us in ways we don't understand. How do we combat that? You know, that's mm. kind of what I wanted. I wanted hiding and tracking and Rambo mm -hmm. style ambushes in the and forest trapping. and stuff. Yeah. I wanted it just to be, if you have to, to fight hand-to-hand, -hand, use your surrounding. Use the trees like it does. Use your home turf advantage. It could have been a retcon learning experience for those predators. You know what I mean? We fought these adversaries at one time in 1719. They were like hiding in the trees and stuff and using their environs as, as camouflage and using the land. And that's what we're going to do moving forward. When, hey, when you go, what, where are you going? Bob, what, which one? I'm going to, what, 86. And they're like, use the trees and stuff. <laughs> Dirty Steve's like, thanks for right? the tip. <laughs> he sends an email back home before he gets toasted. <laughs> and so I think maybe it's a, a missed opportunity, right? And not, not to discredit Naru because she was obviously very capable and very strong. But generally, women have to be adaptable because they can't rely on brute strength. That's why women, some women make better rock climbers because they're used to using their entire body as, to, as opposed to just their upper body strength to like pull themselves up. And so I guess it just was a little bit less realistic or plausible that Nada would just kind of take out the predator and hand-to-hand -hand combat. But overall, I thought that Amber Midthunder and the Naru character were very capable. 
Amber Midthunder, great. Comanche representation, great. Still, this movie falls squarely in the middle for me in terms of its level of success. Was it the movie for all time for for Comanches to celebrate? I don't know. Is Amber Midthunder going to be the breakout star from Predator? I don't know. Most people suggest that it's going to be Dakota Beavers who is the standout who plays her brother. In his debut, in his theatrical debut. But I don't know. Does this stand out as getting the Predator franchise on track after The Predator uh, by Shane Black in 2016? I don't know. I kind of don't care because what it comes down to is does this stand alone? Does this serve as a worthy first entry in the Predator franchise uh, chronologically? I'm not sure. Did it move the franchise forward? Not as far as I'm concerned, but most people seem to suggest that it got the Predator franchise back on track, at least as a marketable, lucrative franchise. And maybe that's the case. Hopefully we'll get a Predator ride through the jungle at whatever studio produced Predator. Uh, Fox. So maybe we'll get a Disneyland Predator ride. I, I like, obviously, I like nature and I like the idea that, that she would use kind of her surroundings against it or to her advantage. But as long as we're going to be in nature and as long as we're going to do all that stuff and, and have this be a gritty, more grounded, down-to-earth, get it, kind of Predator movie, you got to come correct with the CG if we're not going to do real animals. And boy, did they not. My principal, my chief complaint with Prey, Predator 5, is that the CG was terrible. The wolf and, oh, the bear. The bear was terrible. The cat, fine. But when that bear went galumphing up the hill toward her, I was like, that <laughs> is the worst CG bear ever. And, and the CG was so bad for me. They're like, no, no, no. This was meant to be a theatrical experience. And I watched it on my not small TV, granted. But still, I took one look at the CG for the animals, and I was like, oh, that's horrible. And it automatically busted the movie down to a seven for me on that basis alone. It was unbelievable. It was not not believable in terms of how those wild animals were represented. It was so bad that that was a real dog. And I love dogs. And I, I wanted the dog to be the heroic character to bring her the accent and stuff. But when that dog was CG, I hated that dog. It's It was so bad I didn't like the dog in Prey. And then... I, I did, I'm sorry, I didn't love Amber Midthunder's acting, and that might have been because she waffled between English and Comanche so free, and, and, and didn't try to affect whatever it was that 1719 English would have been in a Comanche community. I'm not sure. But it seemed like she was Amber Midthunder and not Naru. And the other guys were like, we're wearing makeup and war paint. Can't you tell that we're authentic Comanches? And kill, go kill that lion, dude. What are you doing, dude? And they were not believable for me. And so your final rating is? Sorry, man. As much as people love it, I cannot say that Prey overall was a good movie. I love Predator, the Predator franchise. No, I, I like Predator. 1986, 1987. I like Predator. And, and I watch it all the time. I have almost no interest in watching this movie again, which makes me very sad. Official whatever rating. Wow. A whatever from Wes. And I'm sad to say a boring from Iris. That's our review on Prey. Available on Hulu. And our discussion on Predator Yay. available at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. Speaking of or whatevermovies.com. Did you know that from or whatevermovies.com you can link to our social media accounts? 
including Patreon, where you can support this podcast that you know and love. 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. Support us for not supporting Prey. (laughs) And let us know what you think. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baclaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, unapologetically fab get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it we're all about changing the narrative leaning into who you are and living a life by your own design join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success this is unapologetically fab an electric cast production see you there Electric acid.